welcome to the GNT Show. Welcome everybody to the latest episode of the GNT show. I'm once again joined by my host with the most, the man who puts dog in supporting the doggies, G. G, how are you this week? I'm good, but after the weekend I think I'm thinking about giving up the dog this week, so but I'm good, thanks. So, it's been a tough another tough week for the doggies. You guys have forgotten how to win actually, but we're going to cover that a bit later. It's been another massive week in the world of rugby league. We are recording this on a Tuesday night on the 25th of August. So if anything comes through after we record this and publish this, then we can't be held accountable. Matt, another massive week in the world of rugby league. Soap opera episode three. (laughs) Days of our NRL lives. Where do we start? What, what, What took your eye this week in the world of the NRL? Well, Seabold's gone. That's one. There been a few developments in the Tevita Pangai Jr. situation that put a whole different spin on things. Not necessarily justifying his behavior, but now his behavior makes a lot more sense. They're probably the two standout things this week. I mean, you've had Cam Smith announce that he's either retiring or heading back to Queensland. Cam Smith's an interesting one, right? So I think, as I said a couple of weeks ago on this show... With him resting or injured, in inverted commas, I think they're trying to give him a break before the finals. And they've got Brandon Smith and Harry Grant potentially coming back. That How they fared without him there was going to be a big test for whether they were ready to stand on their own two feet almost. Brandon Smith and the way Harry Grant played earlier on this year has probably given the Storm a little bit more confidence that, hey, we might be okay if Cam Smith does retire at the end of this year. So I don't think it's a coincidence that all of a sudden... Not that they're pressuring him, but they need a decision to be able to move on, right? Because I think they're getting more and more confident in the post-Cam Smith world. What are your thoughts on the Cam Smith situation? I mean, he's 30, you know, 37, which is actually remarkable considering that Cam Smith's pretty much played almost every minute of every game. He's up 400-odd, but I guess it's time, you know, and maybe he just wants to go back home to Queensland where he's from. But I am surprised that he's thinking of going back and possibly playing. My gut is he'll retire with the Storm, but you never know. If I was the Titans and the Broncos, I would do everything in my power to recruit Cam Smith for a couple of reasons. The first one is I think he brings an enormous amount of leadership and experience to young teams. So like the Titans, like the Broncos. And the Broncos, God knows the Broncos need some leadership up there. So you sure? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they need someone, right? When Payne Haas is giving them the spray when a try is conceded on them six times a game, and he's the one doing the talking behind the goalposts. And there are different forms of leadership, but they they really need some senior voices in that team. And the Titans, similarly, because they're getting David Fafi to come along, they are actually showing something up there under Justin Holbrook. What they get for a season, and then what they get post his career, in terms of assistant coach, having him in the dressing room, those types of things. I think they're the types of characters you want around the club, and I think that'll help the young players develop. It's about the leadership and setting the tone, right? So, I mean, personally, if Payne Haas was yelling at me, I'd shit myself. You know, I'd kind of do whatever he said, but it's really about setting that culture and that tone. It's one of those things we follow the NBA quite closely, and there's a lot of this, you know, when your superstar sets the standard, which you have Tim Duncan for the Spurs over a really long period of time. They work hard and they kind of expect the same of others. And this, like you said, different forms of leadership, but they kind of set the standard for a lot of the other players. And I think that's what Cam Smith really encapsulates. I mean, really think about it. He's 37. He's barely missed any games. He's hardly ever injured. I mean, some of it is luck. 
but a lot of it is hard work and you know dedication to that preparation and recovery and looking after himself and really working hard so you'd want him in your club the other thing that I forgot that took my eye was a salary cap thing that I read this week about Addo Carr and that the NRL is possibly looking at banning his move for extra money to Sydney. So that's something I definitely want to talk to you about as well. Okay, well, this is your platform. We could go on for ages about the NRL salary cap and I'd love to actually do a pod with you actually breaking down some of the teams that have been caught over the years and how ridiculous it is with the nudge nudge wink wink don't worry these teams are under the cap i don't want to do that podcast with you nor do i ever want you to wink at me again (laughs) people can't see the video but thanks for outing me (laughs) where you've seen some of the teams that have been caught like my own canterbury in 2002 the Parramatta team the auckland warriors in 2005 and 2006 melbourne even and some of the other teams were chock full of internationals and it's like, how are these teams over the cap and these others are not? But it's always been secret, secretive. One of the most recent moves from either player agents and clubs have been to entice players out of to breach their contract for greater money. Josh Dugan was one. Um, you remember he got told if he, if he breaches a disciplinary code again, he'd get sacked. And then he was up on his roof drinking. <laughs> so deliberately, two days later, and magically appears at the Dragons with a, a bigger contract. Ben Barber, another one. Like he got homesick to Mackay and flew up to Brisbane and played for the Broncos after he had a, a wonderful season. There's been numerous... Well, it is an hour and a half closer. Still, you know, still thousands of kilometres <laughs> away, but that's okay. And this is just another example. But all of a sudden, the NRL's picked up and said, no, we can't have this anymore. So I'm wondering how far they're going to go because it seems like they're taking it a little bit seriously, but I wonder why all of a sudden. And that might be Peter Volandis. I mean, Peter Volandis kind of comes across to me as kind of a very stern, hey, I know what I'm doing, this is my way, or the highway. He, he really took control of racing New South Wales. So maybe he's changing things for the better. No, Peter Volandis, whether you like him or not, has been very decisive, and often in times of crisis, decisiveness is an important leadership characteristic. I mean, we've spoken about this before. My view is, I know there'll be a couple of years of pain, but I think the salaries should be published. And I think there's privacy concerns, all those things, and obviously the players don't, but the, they get published in the States and they have a salary cap system. And it actually takes the, d- the debate around all the innuendo around the salary cap off the table. And what it does is it actually opens up a new debate for people to debate who, who can you recruit for what cost to get under the salary cap. So it's actually a fan engagement tool. The first year or two will obviously be difficult as the, you know people are discussed, are they worth it, are they not? But I ultimately think transparency in the salaries is the way this is going to go. I mean, it's it's also been linked to the Tavita Pangai issue, which I know you want to talk about. Yes, it has. And we've spoken about this, obviously, off off air when we have a chat, that it's either transparent or it doesn't work. Because you, you always have ridiculous situations. I go back to when South came in, Andrew Denton pretty much resigned over some of this stuff because they offered Braith and Astor at the time, basically the biggest contract in the league. And he turned it down for something that appeared to be two or $300,000 less, which, I mean, you're playing the fans for fools, to be honest. Without that transparency, you don't know. And things, they're like, oh, we've let this player go, who happens to always be a reserve grader, but we happen to have recruited this international into our team. And you're like, how does that, this kind of work? And it's it's very much a wink. I'll give you another one. And <laughs> I'll give you two, actually. You know, trust us. Everything's above board. Whereas when you look at it, in most cases, it can't be. Obviously, there's privacy. I mean, who wants their salary published for everyone to see? But it's the only way the salary cap works. And then people can call bullshit on some of these 
you know, figures that are proposed for some players or why is this person only on a $200,000 contract and conveniently when they leave the club there, free up 800000 you know? It's ridiculous. But with Tevita Pangai... I'm, I'm glad you eventually got to Tevita Pangai. That was a, that was a four-minute rant before we got to Tevita Pangai. <laughs> did, you not, did you not notice the Tevita Pangai in the question? <laughs> I, I missed that part. <laughs> I'm very passionate about the salary cap. For those, for, those, for those listening to this podcast, before we came on air, G said, I really want to do a future podcast on the salary cap. And we said, sure. And what I said was, let's not go into too much detail tonight. Um, I, hope you've okay. in, I hope you've enjoyed the first 12 minutes of our podcast on the salary cap. This is just the intro. <laughs> um, but with Tevita Pangai, I know I've been giving him a bit of stick, trying to get out of his contract as well. But reading some stuff that's come out the last week, it seems like there's a few third-party payments that, that the NRL Integrity Unit has to investigate. And it kind of puts a whole different slide on things, right? Like the Warriors offered him eight hundred grand and apparently rejected it. This is another one of these Brayton Astor scenarios where he rejected it for a $600,000 deal at the Broncos. But it appears as though that shortfall may have had something to do with third-party payments, which haven't come through. So Tevita Pangai Jr. seems like he's a little bit upset as to where this money is. So that kind of explains his his actions in terms of deliberately breaching COVID at times on the field, probably not giving his all, not really happy at the Broncos. I mean, he's obviously upset that he feels like he's been shorted the money that he was promised. The Broncos come back to that. <laughs> Was, I didn't slander anybody. Was, the Broncos' comeback to that was that, that under the salary cap, they are allowed to introduce third parties to players, which they did with Tavita Pangai. As a result of COVID, those third-party relationships didn't come through. So, I mean, to the extent we can provide transparency and publish the salaries and those types of things, the, the, the easier this will become over time. The other thing that happened this week and, and very recently is Anthony Siebold. He was a man under incredible amounts of pressure. It was clearly not working at the Broncos, and he's been reportedly paid off, depending on which media outlet you read, anywhere between a million and a million and a half of the close to three million he's owed over the next three years. So he won't be back coaching the Broncos. What first, G? What do you think about that first and foremost? And what do you what do you think about the Broncos and who should they go get? I think they should go get whoever Phil Gould recommends because that seems to be whoever gets the coaching gigs. But. <laughs> To be honest, I don't know what I think about this whole thing. I The more hard-hitting analysis from G. Very hard. No, I'm not really sure because part of it was I think they're young, but then I've come to the realisation like you did early on that it seems to have lost the dressing room for whatever reason. Darius Boyd's kind of alluded again to some of these young guys need the right leadership in place, whatever that kind of means. Right veteran leadership he kind of mentioned as well. So if Darius Boyd can't provide the veteran leadership, who's going to provide it? The bloke's played 330 games. I don't think he gives us stuff. He's retiring at the end of the year. The team's crap. And he still puts in Darius, but I think he's just gone, you know what? Who knows? I mean, they had to get rid of him because it's become ridiculous. I don't know who the new coach would be. I think that's right. I think I th- my, my two points on it is I think whoever the new coach is, I think they will get a big uplift from this squad because they, they're, they're playing well below their talent levels. So if you can just culturally get it right, you'll you'll automatically get a lift in performance. Two, if I'm the Broncos, I think that there's a lack of sophistication in the way the clubs recruit coaches, and there's a lack of understanding in the boardroom and, and in the governance structures of these football clubs about where they are in the journey. So what I mean by that is the Broncos aren't a premiership contender. They're now in a rebuilding phase, and they need to bring on a coach 
that will build up these players over the next three or four years so that they can win another premiership. It may not necessarily be the coach that actually coaches them on grand final day. Where you are in the journey is really important, in my opinion, in selecting your your next coach. Now, a fascinating week in the world of NRL. Do you reckon they should get um, poor Nathan Brown? Hey, we need you to come and build our club up, but when we get to the semis, we'll just kick you out. So I actually think Nathan Brown did a good job at Newcastle. So moving along to the pre to the review of round 15, we'll start off with the first game of the round, the mighty, mighty Eels against the Storm. The Storm had many injuries. Cooper Johns uh, made his debut for Melbourne. Cooper, Cooper Johns sounds like a name that you get from like a an American baseball novel or something. Have you read many American baseball novels? Can we, next question. <laughs> Heaps. Oh, good, good, good. What's your favourite one? The Fan. Oh, I don't even know whether that's true or not. I don't think it is. That was a movie. It was the only thing that came to yeah. my mind. It's not true. But anyway, Bull Durham. Yeah. Okay. Bull, was, yeah. was that the movie? I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. It's Kevin Costner. Yeah, Kevin Costner. For the kids out there listening to this, uh, you'll need to go to the classic section of the video. They don't even have video stores anymore on iTunes no. to get that movie. So, look, Parramatta, they won 14-0. I thought Ryan Madison was superb on the right edge. I, I want to talk a little bit about Parra's defence, right? As a, as a fan, I watch them week in, week out. Um, it's getting to a point where whenever we're good, I, when the game gets tight, I'm I'm actually really nervous watching the game. But Parramatta and the other teams haven't quite worked it out yet. They play a very, very compressed defence on both sides of the field. To, to break through Para, you've actually got, got to go around them. So all the space is on the sides of the field. So they, they've got multiple tacklers through the middle. It's really hard to break their defence. When you do... Their last-ditch cover defence is sensational. If Para win it, I actually think they're going to win it off the back of their defence. So you can't target Wonga Blake? <laughs> Has he improved? I initially thought it was him making a decision to come in, and Michael Jennings does it on the other side as well. So I actually think it's a deliberate play by Brad Arthur to try and stop the ball getting wide to get around them. They're narrowing the field through the middle. So they've got 13 players in 35 metres of space and leaving seven and a half metres free on either side. I saw the Storm live, and I don't really get to see the Storm live often. And the defence was very much like that. They'd shoot their centres in. In fact, they did this a lot. Their centres would basically fire in, and they'd dare you to go around them, but they trust that their cover defence is so fast that even if you got around them, that they'd get you anyway. I thought Melbourne would win. Melbourne were actually really good. They threw the ball around. They challenged the defence. They were fast. Cooper Johns actually looks... Like he could be something. I think both both John's boys will be quite handy players. He was very comfortable. He would challenge a line if there was space. I think, you know what I think? I think it's a bit like Cam Smith. I think those boys grew up around the dinner table talking about footy. Oh, they would have with, with Matty Johns. He plays in a way somewhat similar to Matty Johns and Andrew Johns. Well, he's not going to play like his mum, is he? Well, unfortunately, he looks like his dad. But, you know, they, they made breaks. But Paris' cover defence, like you said, was sensational. They've been like that all season. They, their defence has been great. If you ever want to know why they can't get rid of the scrums for a tap, Parra's second try came off the, a set play off the back of the scrum down the left-hand side. That, that's exactly the reason that the scrum needs to stay in the game. They just need to police it better and enforce the rules there. That was an awesome try. It was a great Sebo try. A big dive. Awesome. Great try. Mel- Melbourne had a lot of holes on the left-hand side of their defence. And, w- and when Nelson Asafa-Solomona got Sinbin, we-, we actually should have done better. I think I think we dropped our intensity. We tried to throw the ball around without earning the metres first. So 
you know, that was interesting. You know how you made that point a few weeks ago, how they can dip in and out of games, and I think that happened to Para there. The one thing that, that people don't mention enough is Para is probably the best offloading team in the comp. To have more offloads than any other team in the comp and creating second phase play. Para is actually looking to play off the back of some of these offloads. So they use it as a weapon, whereas some of these other teams, a person just sticks their hand out and throws it up and the person who's already ready for the next play happens to catch it flat-footed and then just makes, you know, three extra meters and gets drilled. The one thing I did notice watching the game was Gutherson was everywhere. Yeah, he's been he's been great for us this year. He steps up his involvement. The, the bigger the games are, he really tries to make his imprint. He could be a smoky for the Dally M. I watched a lot of him, and we've won a lot of games, and he's consistently been in our top two or three players. So he could he could be a sneaky chance. Now, there was a lot of crusher tackles, right? Graham Annesley came out before this round of games, before round 15, and said we're going to crack down on crusher tackles. Another example of the NRL picking something to change their interpretation on mid-season. Having said that, I actually agree we should be trying to get rid of crusher tackles. Where, where's he been for like the last seven years? Like, is he... He's been CEO of the Gold Coast Titans. Sorry, was that a rhetorical question? You remember that team, the South Queensland Crushers? I do, with Mario. Yeah, with Melbourne Storm should be recalled the Crushers. That is a really good point because Melbourne Storm complaining about crusher tackles, the irony is not lost on me, right? They're the ones who introduced a lot of the wrestle. They, they do it a lot better than a lot of other teams. And you know what? If you don't want the players to fake it, don't do the tackles. Um, Mitchell Moses, one of the most irritating players you can get. But I, I love him because he's so competitive. One, th- one thing on Mitch, Mitch Moses, Justin Olam's tackle on him behind back play should have been sin-binned. The, the best Santa Canary has got should have been sin-binned. I'll tell you what, a lot of fans would have been cheering for that hit. But uh, look, what I do like about him is I like his skill. I think he chances his arm, which I love. But he actually sometimes thinks he's the best player in the competition. Whether you agree with that or not, he's got that real cocky confidence. Sometimes it plays against him, but do you know what I like? He tries stuff and he actually tries to win the game. He thinks he is the best. And I think sometimes you need that irrational confidence, you know. He's covered defense. He, he wants to win all the time. Mate, Parra are really good. You win these big games defensively. You still need to have the attacking weapons, but and it looks like, you know what, this year, they're legit. Oh, I just think it's going to take a lot to stop the Panthers the way they're playing at the moment. But anyway, speaking of the Panthers, let's move on to game two, which was the Panthers versus the Sharks. I thought the Sharks were playing quite well going into to this game, but the Panthers just blew them off the park, right? They were too good. Yeah, no no Sean Thompson. Poor, no Sean Johnson. No Sean Johnson, no chance. Sorry, who's Sean Thompson, by the way? Is he Sean Johnson's relative? <laughs> he's, he's the guy that snuck in in the number 20. It's... Uh, <laughs> oh, God. No, hey, no Sean Johnson, no chance. What I noticed specifically is when Sean Johnson is not there, how easy Penrith defended the Sharks. They would slide across and there was no pace. And Matt Moylan's defence? Well, Liam Martin terrorised Matt Moylan, I was going to say that. Where I will disagree with you on, I thought the the Sharks did expose the Panthers a little bit on their right edge. I thought Josh Dugan had a, had a good day in attack against them. Um, I, I thought he was less good in defence, along with Jesse Ramian. I mean, they both look good carrying the ball because they're hard runners, but I, I don't quite know if they're there in defence. So I do think they exposed the Panthers' right edge a little bit. I thought the Sharks' right-hand defense is a problem, but Luai is playing really, really well. 
and and Liam Martin and Kikau and and they're just they're just so good at the moment. The Panthers. I mean, Toby Rudolph was great for the Sharks as well. In a, in a beaten side. When Johnson's not there, they're missing that threat at the line. It was too easy to defend. Even though the Sharks were passing the ball around and putting together some good movements, you could see them just slide across too easy, and they had them covered. Do you really think that it's their sh- it's the Sharks' attack that cost them that game? No, the defense was terrible, but we've been talking about that for ages, and I think they've been winning on the back of their ability to score more than the other team. But even with Johnson there, they weren't going to score forty points on the Panthers. I mean, they didn't they didn't lose this game because they didn't they didn't attack well. They lost this game because they couldn't tackle. Yeah, but they, you can't score either, you know? So you, I don't think your confidence is quite there. They conceded seven tries. Yeah, I don't know. I think you lose belief if you can't score. I don't know. I don't I don't know. They, they, they were down They were down by a lot early. They were. Yeah. I will say on Luai, you know, Cleary gets a lot of the plaudits. Lu, Luai makes that system hum a little bit better because... I think he gives them the X factor a little bit. Kick out try, right? His ability to step inside or outside, the defense has to hold off because he can step inside, right? And he's got great ball skills. So when he's stepping and moving around, he makes the defense hesitate and that creates space for some of their runners. So Penrith, you know, what What do you say? They've just got a little bit of everything, you know? Too easy. Yeah, it was easy. I thought they, did, they were superb. But I'll tell you what... I think the biggest threat to the Panthers are we're still a long way from the grand final. They've got to keep this form up for for another two months. And I just wonder, it's going to be a hard thing to do to do keep that up for two months. Having said that, they're a really young side. Maybe they can maintain that enthusiasm. Certainly their team in 2003 did do that. That's very true. I just think now they've got a belief that they can beat anybody. So, But they, they might need a, a loss or two, as sometimes they say, you know, just to wake you up a little bit. Did you see Ivan Cleary's last kick? Ivan Cleary, Jesus. Nathan Cleary. Did see his last kick in 2004. <laughs> <laughs> Ivan was probably still around and actually wasn't. Ivan was a good goal kicker. He, I'm pre- Ivan was around in 2004, wasn't he? No, I think he retired in like 2000. He was in that, he was in that Roosters team in 02, wasn't he? Yeah, I think you're right. Nathan Cleary, I think, got so bored with all the points that at the end, I just think he was testing himself to see if he could swing one in from further out. Yeah, he probably was. He's just like, hey, I'm bored. I'm just going to try aim out a little bit more and see how much I can bring it around through the post. I thought that was quite amusing. Uh, he retired in 2002. And honestly, Josh Dugan, man, what's with the hair in the mo? I think we've discussed this on the podcast before. I, d- I don't think... Oh, you can have a go at his mo, but I don't think you can have a go at his hair just simply because yeah, of the I fact that he can grow some. Yeah, but, you know, some of that hair envy, right? If if I had that hair, that is not something I'd be doing with it. I'd treasure it. Well, you'd be combing it from your back all the way over. I don't know if it would reach. Oh, give it time. A bit more conditioner. All right, moving on to the Broncos versus the Dragons. <laughs> the Dragons. About, oh, God. When the Dragons went in yeah. for those early, two early tries, I thought, oh, my God, here we go. It's going to be another cricket score. But they showed a bit of... Bit of Bit of fight for for a change that the Broncos did, and Carrigan were good for the Broncos. Dearden was good in the halves, but it's the same old story. They conceded twenty eight points. Now you're going to go on about how the Broncos attack, blah 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 blah, but they're just conceding too many points. A couple of things I noticed: the Broncos still attack in block plays. Actually, Anthony Seabold and the way he's coached this team, they're still coach, they're still playing like it's the old rules. When they get into the red zone, it's block play after block play, and that's why it's a bit easier to read. Katoni Stag's try with that fend on you and Aitken, and then how the, good was oh, that? And the dummy on Matt Dufty. How good was that try? You, you and Aitken is a tough 
mofo. And he-, he just absolutely don't argue. Get the hell out of my way. It's like the one Sivo did earlier in this season. It was just fantastic. Yeah. I-, I was like, wow, because you and Aiken is tough and, you know, aggressive. <laughs> just shut him out of the way. Stags, porn star Mo just went, get the hell out of my way. Uh, that, that was awesome to watch. That was great. And the dummy, what a great finish. And the dummy, Matt Dufty just grabbing air. Having said that, Matt Dufty, fantastic attacking player. That pass he threw across the right-hand side, over the top, and, and, and they, Ravalawa, I think, got it in the corner. That was a fantastic Great play. rainbow. I love those passes. But Matt, Yeah, but Matt Dufty's not in any danger of making a tackle like that on Katoni Staggs at full flight anytime oh. soon. The new Luke Burt. This is the thing. This is where some of these fullbacks have to learn from Luke Burt, right? Like, Luke Burt stuck the hand out and did the pirouette, so it looked like he was really attempting a tackle. So they've got to sharpen up that the Luke Burt impersonation just to make it look like they tried to tackle. That was this bloke's. This bloke's running at a hundred kilometers an hour is a lot bigger than me. I think I'll go for the intercept. That's 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 what oh, that yeah, was. Yeah, of course. Now, now we both want to talk a little bit about Corey Norman from this game, don't we? Oh yeah, Mister Laconic, Mister Smooth. That's your cue to express your opinion. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's um, I like watching Corey Norman because he 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 does play smooth. He's kind of, you know, ambles across the field. He does have great skill and good vision. You know, I've got a mate that follows the Dragons and then doesn't follow the Dragons and follows them week to week. He <laughs> they frustrate the crap out of him. He rides the wave, yeah. He would always tell me, Corey Norman doesn't do much. I'm starting to think some of it's right. Like, my idea of him being smooth, maybe is just him just going through the motions because against the Broncos, he had a little bit more fire and it was actually quite noticeable that he was trying to really win the game, a little bit more competitive. Now, obviously, he started at the Broncos. Maybe he never wanted to leave, so he's got a little bit of that. So that's the point I'm going to make. He play, he plays better against his ex-clubs. It's like something needs to fire the guy up, and it was noticeably different, his um, performance and his energy. I agree with your mate. I agree with Damo. I think Corey Norman, because he played for the Eels, so I got to see him up close. We listened to Bill Simmons' podcast, and he's got a term for NBA players that I think applies to Corey Norman in this instance, and that's good stats, bad team. So I think he's a good player, but I'm not sure your team can win anything with him there as one of your primary halves. The difference between his best and his worst is, is, too, is too far apart. He can go missing out of games, come down to a key moment in the game. He can, like at the end of this game, right, he pinned Darius Boyd in the in the in-goal area. I mean, Darius Boyd looked like a truck turning to get out of the in-goal, having said that. Yeah, man, he's 33, but, and you know, your ass gets bigger and it takes a bit of time to turn around. I, but... I don't think people are tuning in for your commentary on asses. I've just got to put it out there. But Corey Norman kicked that ball from, from inside his 30 metres into the in-goal. That ball could have easily gone out of the full and it wouldn't have surprised you either, right? And that's Corey Norman in a nutshell. I mean, it was a great kick, right? So it's not that, it's just... He was fired up and he wanted to win that game. Like, he was sprinting up there. He was the first guy up there. He was defending. And that's what I mean. It wasn't just that. That was a, a microcosm of the whole night. Chase 70 metres. First one in there. Pinned Darius Boyd back and kind of iced the game for the Dragons. It's like, mate, Corey, you got the skill. We need a little bit more. Pip players have off games. That's cool. You can't be top, in top form every week. It just But looking at that, you kind of wonder where Corey's effort's been for, you know, a fair chunk of the season. He played well against Para as well. He just he plays better against teams he used to play for. So so do you reckon, right, if you're, say, one of the other teams, do you, do you entice him to, like, change clubs every couple of months so by the time you get in, he's played against everybody else, so then he'll just have, like, the best season of all time? You know what? I mean, with thinking like that, with thinking like that, perhaps you could go on to coach the Broncos. Hey, it's innovation, mate. I'll tell you that. Yeah, are you aware of the salary cap and the rules around switching teams? As long as you pay, you don't pay them more, apparently it's okay. 
Moving on. Fourth game of the weekend was the Titans versus the Raiders. The Raiders were absolutely dominant. Uh, Jamal Fogarty got chased down by Josh Papali. Oh, my what God. What has happened to this world where props... Mind you, with a head start. So the guy's taken an intercept. He's got a head start. And props are running down halfbacks. I remember something needs to change. He, remember, he signed for Para, and then they had they used to have that window where you couldn't go back on the contract. You'll usually have till thirtieth of June. God, that's the one that got away for Para. AJ Brimson and Jamal Fogarty have been playing absolutely brilliant together, and they've been combining really well for the Titans. They they never gave up the Titans in this game, but really they didn't have the class of anyone like a Jack White on that field. I thought Jack White was absolutely brilliant. I keep saying that week after week. He's really reminding me of Laurie Daly and his presence in the game. You know, the intensity did go out of the second half a little bit, and but but the second half score was only 14-12. So the, the Titans were in it in the second half. They didn't give up. And and Bateman and Williams are really forming a really, really good combination. Now, if I was Justin Holbrook, one of, one of the areas that the Raiders did expose was my defense around in and around the ruck, so through the middle. And that's technique, and that's something that can be tightened. What did you think of this game? Same. The, the Raiders were a little bit too good. I think the Titans still played well. It's weird to say that when you're getting pummeled 36-16, but like you said, they kept on going right to the end. They had too many players out, the Titans. I really like Brimson, the way he injects himself into the game. He's He flies into holes. He, he creates a lot of danger with his hard running, and he's fast, and he's, he's skillful too. I think the score was quite deceptive. I thought the Raiders were a little bit too good, but I don't think it was a 20, 30-point flogging. I thought it was. You did? I, I thought the Titans were a little bit unlucky at the beginning. They could have scored a few more tries, and they just... Are, are you watching the defence at all? Sometimes. It was 22-4 at half time. Which part of that did you, did you not see that, that, that the turnstile, just at the try line? Which... This is one of my things with this whole using a prop as a, as a lock. I think when you've got big guys in the middle, eventually they tire and it creates holes in the middle. And I think the Raiders exploited that. So, But do I think the Titans were terrible? Absolutely no, not. No, I didn't say that, but I didn't think they were ever in the game. I thought the Raiders were going to win it right from the start. They were never threatened. I thought they ended up winning by 20 points and I thought it was a three, three and a half try win, right? And I thought that was probably fair on the Raiders. The Raiders are good, but they are beating up the teams that they should be beating. And I kind of wonder how good they really are. So are the Panthers. So is everyone. I mean, if you're playing the bottom half of the team week in, week out, and you're a good side, you're going to tell them up. I think the Raiders will be good come come semi-final time. I think they, they've been there, done it. They were in the grand final last year. I think they're, they're waiting for the business end of the season is my impression of the Raiders. Moving along to the next game of round 15, which was the Tigers versus the Roosters. The Morris boys, are, are, they, are they 200 years old? They're still going great. The Roosters dominated this seven tries. Wests are now four points out of the eight. They're on 12 points. The, I think Cronulla's in eighth spot at the moment on 16. I think the wheels have fallen off the Tigers. Uh, Benji's pass was fantastic, but he's... That pass was brilliant. Amazing pass, by the way. Do you want to talk a little bit about his tackle? <laughs> Which one? The one where he just moved out of the way on Tupanua? Correct. It was like he ran and he just goes stuff this. I'm... It was it was the Luke Burt it was the Luke Burt hand thing, but except he did it in the line. <laughs> yeah, it was just moving out of the way. So, so look, I know I make fun of the players. Hey, look, to put your body on the line at in any game takes a lot of bravery. But Jesus, Benji, God, far out. I mean, it's very unmatched Maguire. Like t- t- the Tigers' defense on both edges and even through the middle was terrible. I don't even know where you start. Moses Embai and Tommy Talau. 
had a really rough night. They did. Um, I mean, look, Tommy Talao's a rookie, right? But Moses Mbai, he's been around for... It's quite... a good thing he's not their highest paid player. No, he's not. You know, Moses... Well, he's close, though. He's 800,000, allegedly. That's okay. But if he goes to another team, it would be worth $1.5 million. Well, so. it's, all, it's all through third party, though. Should we go back to the salary third cap party? point? Yeah. Yes, yes. He was disappointing defensively. He was... Like, if you, you come out, you've got to hit the guy. Even if you don't make the tackle, you've got to slow him down or do something. But he was flying out and then... Not, not, not always. Uh, and that's an email from Wonga Blake. Oh, okay. It's an email from one of our listeners, Wonga Blake. He says, you don't always have to make contact, have the correct read, or do anything to the player. Wblake at gmail.com. Correct. But, um... Oh, and look, we've got another email. It's been supported by mjennings at <laughs> gmail.com. One thing I did notice with Adam Dwayne defensively was really good. He stopped a fair few tries. And he's tough. That's what I like about Adam Dewey. He's tough, tough player. I thought James Tedesco came back to form. He did. Remember I um, issued the challenge to him last week, expecting a big game from Jimmy. Is that what he stuck the finger up at at the end of the game? He didn't. He didn't really. No, no, I think he mooned me during the game. He did moon you during the game? He did (laughs) moon you? Yes. I've set up two tries. Take this. And... um... If Dewey didn't tackle some of those players coming through, the score could have been anything. Could have been anything. Joey Manu, in attack, he's getting into a bit of form. He's just got to be a little bit more careful in defence. I have noticed he started to miss a few tackles as well. So, But I do think could be special. And if you've noticed the Roosters, with, the, with all the injuries they've had, they're actually using him a lot more now. And I think it's making a difference to their attack. The other thing I will say is, for the Tigers, how much of a difference does Harry Grant versus Jacob Little make to their organisation, to their attack, to their tackling? Harry Grant, underrated defender. Kid doesn't miss tackles. So Jacob Little had a tough night. I mean, the whole West Tigers team did so in defence, so it's not, it's not really fair to call him out. But Harry Grant makes a real difference to that team. If he goes back to Melbourne next year... They'll go further back. There's something missing for that team in attack. Like, it just doesn't work well. They can score points. I don't know. They're like an average side just in general with everything. Average pace, average defense, average attack. They, they got the wrong roster for the way Madge wants to play. Understand coaches have systems, right? But it's also, you've got to make adjustments for the players that you have. They try to shove people into roles that doesn't suit what they do. And that is a common problem in the NRL. And that's why you see some players flourish or develop when they go to other teams because they either fit or they don't. And I understand you're wedded to your system, right? But things evolve. They change the rules every week, practically. In this instance, I actually disagree with you. And the reason I disagree with you is that West Tigers team have been finishing ninth for year on year and they haven't had a lot of accountability. And I think Madge is saying, this is the way we play. I know this gets us wins and I need you guys to make the effort to get up to this level. Was it the fact that he was at South and had one of the best rosters in the league make him look a lot better than he was as a coach? And I'm not saying he can't coach, but I haven't seen anybody in the Tigers improve that much. I don't think he's got the right cattle for the way he wants to play. And I don't think the answer is changing the way they play. Yeah, but mate, I could coach Sam Burgess and Greg Inglis. I don't think you could. I don't think yeah, they'd listen to you. Yeah, just tell them to go run out there. No, they wouldn't listen to me, but i just tell them to go out there. I think there's more to coaching than just <laughs> saying go run out there. I grew up in the 80s. That's how it was. Dean Pei, run hard and tackle hard. Can I tell you what I would like to see? I would like to see, <laughs> yes. see the conversation. You're doing video analysis. Sammy Burgess, the Burgess boys, you've got all Adam Reynolds, everyone there, and they go, what should we do in defense, coach? And then you just have silence and a blank look on your face as you go, defense? Tackle hard and run hard. (laughs) 
It's um. I'll tell you what you should do in defense. Step and chip over the top. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. You know, he had an A-class roster. I think he can coach. I don't think I don't think you win a premiership if you can't coach. I'm not saying he can't. I just think that play to a certain system. Sometimes your players elevate that system beyond what the system is because of their talent. If Craig Bellamy goes to Brisbane, do you think he should change his system? I think he tinkers with it a lot, but it's just not that noticeable. I think he sticks to the basic tenets of his system. And I think Madge, Madge does the same thing. The, these aren't the right players. So it's, the answer isn't changing your system to suit mediocre players or average players. The answer here is to try and lift the capability of those players. You're, you're saying you haven't seen progress. It's a stop-start season. They played two games. They didn't get much of a preseason the second time around. They were playing well, but just the wheels have fallen off in the last month. I think maybe my expectations of the Tigers are a little bit high. Well, they don't have the cattle. They're like the Bulldogs. I mean, I know, I think sometimes these bottom teams, but sometimes I think you think they're better than they, what they are. Like, this would have been a great roster in 2012. Russell Packer and Moses Mboy... <laughs> I think you're right. I think sometimes when you've got some of these teams, you've got this optimism that they're going to improve and get better. And when they don't, you probably get a little bit more disappointed you know, than you otherwise ordinarily would. But And as a fan, that's what you know people get frustrated with. So Tommy Talao, love his effort. He's a rookie. He's having a decent season. Mate, he takes an intercept and half the Roosters team chased him down. Man, if you're a winger and you take an intercept and you've got a 20-meter head start, you better score. And what did you think oh, about the fact on. that he missed three tackles and looked like a turnstile out there with Moses Embai? He's a rookie. So I think it's, you know, it, it takes a while to read the game. And I think as a winger, it's it's quite hard. But I think if you're still having that struggle three years in, you've got problems. If Trent Barrett's listening, can they recruit you as the attack coach? I don't think they'll get very far if they recruit you as the defense coach. But I think you could, you could do a job in attack. Just run hard, tackle hard. Norfolk Luma's last try. What a winger. The step, jink. Great try. What a year. Would have, would have been good to do that when, you know, it actually mattered. All right. Moving on to the Rabbitohs versus the Seagulls. Wayne Bennett came out and said, best first half performance he has coached in the 200 years he's been coaching. So since before rugby league was invented, he was... <laughs> I think you'll find it's only been <laughs> he was, 50 years. You know, who, you know who Wayne Bennett is? Wayne Bennett is low pan. Oh, from Big Trouble in from Little From Big China. Trouble in Little... He's looking for this rare green-eyed premiership. <laughs> oh, God. So you think he's going around eating green eyes to keep him young, like low pan? Did you see a different version of Big Trouble in Little China to the one I saw? Yeah, he needed to marry a, a person with green eyes yeah. to keep him young. So I know we're kind of half joking, but he's actually been coaching for like 40 years. You know what people forget? If not more. That's incredible. Wayne Bennett was a good footy player. He he, he played for the Kangaroos. He toured... He toured yeah, Scott he, Minto. He, <laughs> he toured. Scott Minto was his son and he... Oh my god! He toured. He, he toured with the kangaroos in England in the early seventies, apparently. So, so what a half of football! Six first half tries. Alex Johnson's been playing out of his skin. I know he got hurt, and they got the eight point try there. Just it's all gone horribly wrong for Manly this season because of one injury to t- Tommy Turbo. I know they've had injuries in and out, but what a difference! I mean. They, they were knocking on the door for a top four, right? Came down to them in para last year. Comes back to that whole fullback making Desi's system look so much better. And I think Tommy... I mean, Tom Trebojevic is, is a fantastic player. Great You're player. talking about an elite athlete, speed, size, great handling. He's great under the high ball. Defensively, he's really good. You know, he, he can pass. He's got skill. Like, players like him are incredibly rare, but in a way, he's almost so finely tuned as an athlete that any tweak seems to put his body out, and he's always, like you said, injury-prone as a result. I think he's just one of those 
you know those athletes are just so finely tuned that their body can't handle some of the rigor of some of this stuff, unfortunately. And I love watching him play. He's, he's brilliant. But they're really missing him. I'm starting to wonder how important halves are. Because you look at the Roosters, and I remember last week I told you, I don't think the halves being out are gonna, is going to make that much of a difference. By the way, that pass Flanagan threw. Oh, yeah, great pass. To Brett Morris, wow. Great pass. Wow, that was great to watch. But they're rookies, right? And the Roosters just blew the Tigers away anyway. And you look at the Seagulls, they've got Cherry Evans, who as a halfback peer-to-peer is elite. But they're just, it's not happening. Behind a beaten pack. You know, and but South, like God, in enigmatic, but... Boy, they got some talent. They play para this week. I think I think that's going to be a really, really close game. Souths are a good side. They aren't the same team without Alex Johnson, though. I think Alex Johnson gives him that speed, and you watch the way the game's played. When he's on the wing. When he's on the wing. The wingers don't have much space to move, and they are key in finishing off some of these movements. And when AJ hits that ball at pace, there's not many teams that can cover that space and he scores and they're just really dangerous is he aware you call him aj oh we, we go way back do you okay excellent but yeah that was a great first half it's like everything just worked and they blew manly away but manly still didn't play that bad if, if it makes sense no it doesn't make sense I, I didn't think they were good no you thought they were that bad yeah i thought they were they were yeah. well okay yeah i did i you can't concede 56 points without so what I'm what I'm looking for when I look at a team is the first thing I'm looking for is how how are you defending? You can win more games by defending well than you can by attacking well. I think what you're trying to say is you don't think you don't think Manly attacked too badly, and I think that's right because they did expose Souths on the left side a little bit, but defensively they just didn't show up. There was a lot of broken field, you know, they didn't hold their lines. There was a lot of problems there in that game. And, and I think the Seagulls don't make the eight this year. And I th- I'm not sure what the last four or five weeks looks like for them. Maybe I'm sort of loath to say that teams were horrible. But, um, I mean, then again, they were down, what, 40 points at half time. Yeah, so exactly. It was 36 nil or something at half time, right? So, like, like you, can't, you can't say we didn't play that badly. It's like being 5 nil down at football and saying... Hey, that was a lot closer than the scoreline indicated at halftime. Yeah, yeah, I suppose if they didn't get those 74 passes to stick, they wouldn't have scored six tries. So maybe I'm being a little bit generous. Okay, fine. But Manly, I think they'll bounce back. It seems like it was just one of those games. And once again, it comes down to my favourite time of the week. Time to discuss the Bulldogs. Gee, what did you think of the Doggies this week? Can we just replay what we said every week about the Doggies? They've forgotten how to win. You're up 14-6. You should have won. Tim Laffey and Nick Meaney are looking okay in attack combining together. Having said that, Tim Laffey and Remus Smith in defense are absolutely woeful. I am faster than Tim Laffey. And Cogger and Foran, I think, as a positive, are actually playing playing well. I do like Nick Meaney on the wing and Will Hopawati at fullback. I think that's better positions for them both based on where the team is at at the moment. But why do you guys play better at the, the end of a season when there's nothing to play for. I think that has a lot to do with Dean Pace coaching. But he's not there. He's not there anymore. But I'll remind you, out of 36 games when there was points to play for, where in theory they could have made the eight, he won seven games. Okay, but he's not there. Why is Jeremy Marshall King running now? He looked great. When he runs, he's great. He's very dangerous. He's he's a whole different player. And th- Kieran Foran's try came right through the middle of the ruck because he caught the markers napping. So it makes you think, okay, why didn't he do that before? Because he wasn't allowed. I don't think he was allowed to do that. It wasn't part of the game plan. It's when the pressure's off, they seem to be free to play a bit more football. 
in fairness to Dean Pay, like when you're coaching, it's easy to sit there from the sideline and say, hey, you should play like this and play like that. But then they're also coaching for their future and their job at the same time. So I'm a little bit more of a rogue. I'd be like, this is the way I'm going to play. I don't, I don't care. But if you're getting, then you start losing. You know, what do you do? Do you start getting more, conser- getting more conservative? And you see this with a lot of coaches. It's like when the blowtorch is applied, they go, people go into their shell just in every facet of life, you know? So I do think you win that game if Cody Nikarima wasn't playing. I thought he was great. And he's been playing great for, for a few weeks now. So you, you called it. You absolutely called it. Credit where it's due. And you do love Greg Alexander. And Greg Alexander was talking about how great Cody Nikarima was. That's what, that's, that's what swung my opinion up. <laughs> That made me really happy. I'm like, I'm telling T this. It's, it's cer- it certainly wasn't your opinion, but I do respect Brandy very, very much so. He brought a lot of joy to my childhood because he was absolutely a fantastic player. Papawadi, he played pretty well on his in his first game He back. always does. He always does a full back. I thought Meany, again, was dangerous and pretty much our main attacking weapon. And Remus Smith, mate. I don't know what's happened to Remus Smith. Is he just down on confidence? I don't know. I've got a lot of friends that watch some of the lower grades and they can pick a player. They know their footy, and they said, look, watch out for this Remus Smith guy. He's got some talent. The first year he came out, great under the high ball, really good defensively from the wing, surprisingly, as a, as a rookie. Good hands, good finishing, good speed, and honestly, he's regressed. He looks worse than he did two, three years ago. I don't know if that's physically. I don't know if it's mentally. All the losing has gotten to him, because one thing you do notice watching Remus over the last couple of years is RS, as he's known. Uh, yeah, we'll call him RS from the mean streets of Mascot. If you ever get asked in a trivia night, where's he from? It's Mascot, <laughs> apparently. So His dad, Tyron Smith. Hopefully that helps. That'll come up in trivia all the time. But one thing you did notice the last few years is that he can get really frustrated if he's not involved in the game. And so part of me wonders if it's just a mental thing and he's just kind of switched off. Like all the losing, he doesn't really touch the ball much. You tune out. You know, there's a, there's a great quote, the ball has energy when he's talking about basketball. Oh, thank God. I was going to ask which ball are you referring to? Well, around basketball, but I think the same applies to footy. If you're a centre and all you're doing is being asked to defend all the time and you're getting the ball and getting smashed, you've got no space to move. After a while, mentally, that can be quite draining and add to the fact that you're not winning games either. I hope that's what it is because two years ago, he looked like a talent that could really go on and become a really good centre and he just, honestly, he's regressed. Ogden is coming along. Ogden is someone I rate. He's big, tall, athletic, agile. RTS, we spoke about... He was better. Cody Cody Nikarima was the difference between the teams. Cody Nikarima's out for whatever reason. Bulldogs get over the line. Turner, the young guy making his debut. How about that? Two great tries. Both of them get disallowed. How cut up are you? Like, he's good on his feet. Like, at least as a runner, as a halfback, he's quite dangerous. I don't know what the Dragons did to Tim Lafay, but he was better as an 18-year-old in 2012 than he is now. I don't know what's going on with him, but he's playing like either A, he's injured, or he just doesn't care. He had that flick pass to Nick Meany for the first yeah, try. Yeah, that was a great pass. But outside of that, defensively, he's not chasing back. So he might be injured. I don't know. But this isn't the Tim Lafay. Can I ask you a question? Are you injured Are you injured on this podcast? I think I might be. Actually. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that explains a lot. The vocal cords are injured. Oh, did you? I did pick up one thing. I think Cody Nicarima must have been one of those kids when he was little where, like, you know, if you score three tries, I'll get you an ice block or something. Because apparently Tony Iroh gives him cash. No, no, Tony. Is that in the salary cap? They give him cash. How much does he give him? I don't know, but apparently makes bets with him. So, like, if he scores or gets try assists or something like that, I was just like, he's one of those, you know, dads from the sideline. That all teams should do that. It's a bit odd. Let's be honest. It's a bit odd. Are they related? 
I don't know, but you know... How long has he been doing this? I don't know. I heard it on the Fox uh, broadcast. I thought it was hilarious. So that's a way to cheat the salary cap, guys. Get um one of the dads of the players to sit on the sideline and you know say, hey, look, if you score a try, I'll give you $10,000. Just for the sake of any lawyers listening out there, that was G. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. I don't know where this team's going. And we'll talk about the upcoming preview, which again is an issue. <laughs> okay, brilliant. All right, let's move on to the match of the round. The Knights versus the Cowboys. This was a woeful game of rugby league. This was terrible. And as a result, I'm going to hand over to you to, to provide your analysis on this game. Do you really want me to give you my analysis? I don't think we should spend a lot of time on this game. It wasn't, it wasn't a good game. Knight, Knights won. Congratulations, Knights. Three in a row. Mitch Barnett's been playing well. Let's move on. <laughs> It was a terrible game. Everything was almost, it was like it was almost a good pass. It was almost a try. It was almost this, it was almost that. Just... Blake Green, Blake Green got injured. I mean, Yeah, I th- that's the sad news. I think that'll hurt the Knights on their run in because because he gave them a threat on the other side of the ruck to Mitch Pearce. You know, good luck to the Knights there. They're, they're showing a bit of resilience, but terrible game of rugby league. Not a, not a good game. The one thing that I suppose was the highlight was... The last try to Tuala was Ponga just hitting the ball at speed and then cutting in, straightening up, creating space, and then a fantastic cutout pass to Tuala, which was a great piece of play by Ponga. I wonder why the Cowboys, just talk about their retention. I mean, I, there's obviously reasons why people leave, but Ponga, Kikau, Tuala is better than the centers they got now. So I don't know what the story is there. So the Knights, good recruitment there. And um, Josh Hannay looking sharp in the dressing room with the tan shoes, the blue cargos, and the nice top. That's great. That's the hi- highlight of the game. Ladies and gentlemen, you come here for that sort of hard-hitting analysis. Thank you, G. G's fashions are fashions in the dressing room. We've got a new segment, G's Fashion Corner. Let's move on to the preview of round 16. Parramatta up against Rabbitohs is the first game. I think this is going to be... I think the Rabbits are in real good form at the moment. And whilst the Eels won 14-0... They can take their foot off the pedal. They're doing just enough to win the games at the moment. So I think if the Rabbitohs get in front early, I think they could win this comfortably. But, you know, the Eels have been one of the top sides this this year. So what do you think about this game? What I think is after what I saw last week, I think if the Eels turn up in defence, and I think they will, I don't think Souths will beat them. And I think they'll miss Alex Johnson. I mean, Corey Allen, Jackson Paulo, they're good players, but they don't have the explosive speed and danger that Alex Johnson provides, or sorry, AJ. You know, similar to Addo Carr for Melbourne, when they get the ball, the defense panics, they create space due to their speed. So I think they'll miss that. And I think he's been a massive part in their offensive resurgence. And I think Para probably click a little bit more in attack, and I think they'll beat them. And I think they'll beat them well, actually. Okay. I think they'll win by about 10 or 12. You never know, but Hayes Dunster might get a run. What a name. Okay, excellent. Thank you. That's that's very helpful. So the, the, <laughs> the Dragons versus... You know, it would be amazing if you did research into this podcast that didn't involve people's looks and their names. How many weeks can you run with how they look and their names? Well, there's always someone coming up with a great name, you know, and um, I've still got to round out the Men of League next week. I'll round out, add a couple of more players to it okay. at the moment. We're going to go for 18 because, you know, when you get the calendar, they give you a year and then they give you six months for free, like from the next year. Do people buy calendars anymore? No. Okay. I don't think so. So well, let's call it a retro segment. <laughs> retro. Starring Wayne Bennett and 
Scott Minto. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Topless Wayne Bennett. Can't wait to see that. <laughs> St. George Illawarra versus Gold Coast Titans. Saints are the favourites here. Uh, they're $1.31 favourites. I think the Gold Coast might get this one. I know it'll be an upset, but I, I just think they've been more convincing and they've been trying harder. What do you think about this game? I find this one very difficult to pick because... I think Saints have been playing better. They've actually won some games. So, and the ones they've lost have been relatively close. But part of me wonders how much last week Corey Norman's, you know, will to win against the Broncos sort of played a part in them actually coming away with that victory. And I think the Gold Coast have been playing really well. Ash Taylor's back. I think Tyrone Peachy's sneakily been playing well too, just quietly for the Titans. I, I think that'll make a difference moving him in. I think their team looks a little bit more dangerous with Peachy at lock. So it gives them a little bit of ball-playing ability to improve their defense in the middle of the field. My head says the Dragons, but... Oh, yeah, I'm sniffing an upset. Yeah, I think the Gold Coast will get them because I think they've been playing some of the better teams in the comp and their attitude's been really good. And I think, honestly, I think they'll beat them. So I've convinced you otherwise. So the next game is the Roosters versus the Broncos. The Roosters are starting at a dollar four favorites, so there's no value there on Sportsbet. Their points start is 25 and a half points. I don't know that I've ever seen that. Such a large head start. But it's right. It's what we've been saying for weeks. They're conceding on the six tries a game. It's right. It's a... It is because if I look at the Roosters team, the the Broncos have still got, they've got Boyd, Kenner, you know, Staggs, Kahu, Farnworth. They've got Sean O'Sullivan, who's coming back from an injury, Tom Dearden. So they've still got a couple of young guys in there. They're not, they don't have players that have got extensive first grade experience. But look at the Roosters. They're at full strength pretty much now. Tedesco, Tupu's back. I think they've missed Tupu, Morris, Manu, Morris. I could play at 5-8 and they did. Well, they're missing Luke Keary. They are, but, you know, Boyd Cordner's back again. Isaac Liu is a really good underrated player, I think, as well. It'll be the Roosters. I mean, I can't see the Roosters losing. They might not They might not win by 25 and a half points, but I think they'll get the game. So if you move on to the next game, the next game is the Warriors versus the Knights. The Warriors have been showing up week in, week out. This will be a Close, tough game, in my opinion. The Knights are the favourites against the Warriors. They're $1.40 favourites. And and the line in this game is only six points to the Knights. So what what are your thoughts on this one? I think I think the Knights will probably get this one, but it'll be close. I think the Knights will win this game in a close one because I don't think... Look, the Warriors have been really gallant. They've been playing well. I think Cody Nicarima will have another good game. I think Chanel Harris-Tavita coming back will make a difference. But then again, last week, Turner, the young kid, he challenged the line. I mean, he scored two tries. One of them probably should have been a try anyway, but he was dangerous in attacks. So it's not like they lost a huge amount when Harris-Tavita was missing last week. RTS, not quite himself. I think he's just missing his family. I think that's the reports from behind the scenes there. If you're a betting person, I'd stay away from that game. That could go either way. Mason Lino, he was a former lower grader with the Warriors. So he's played a couple of games. He's got a lot of talent. He's a, he's a stocky lad. He's a stocky guy and he looked like he was carrying a bit of weight. But he's got some ability. So I think it'll be interesting to see how he goes and if, if he helps the Knights at all. But the Knights, I think, will be... A little bit too good. And, you know, T, we've both got young kids, but, you know, I found out what an Eshe is the, the other week. Apparently, it's like, you know, when we were younger, you used to have the homies that used to wear the hats kind of on right on the top of their head, which was always a bit weird. But Herman Eshe Eshe, I think that's a great name. All right, Cronulla versus North Queensland. <laughs> Sharks are $1.25 favourites, and they've got 10 and a that's half That's a what-the-hell moment. 
It's, I get them. I get them once a week with you at the moment. <laughs> so, so, so we'll just keep going. Oh God! All right. Sharks versus Cowboys. What are your thoughts on this one? If Sean Johnson's back back, I think the Sharks will beat them. He's, he's been named. But if he's favouring that groin in any way and he can't really put his foot down and run, I think the, the Cowboys will actually get them, I think. But I think if Sean Johnson's 100% right, I think the Sharks will be too good this week. Val, Val Holmes is back, yeah. I thought last week at least the Cowboys were really gallant and really hung in against the Knights. Oh, it was a terrible game. Oh, it was a terrible game of footy. But I expect the Sharks to bounce back this week. They're not playing the Panthers. I <laughs> mean... I mean, I mean, there's a big difference in there's a big golfing class between the Cowboys and, and and the Panthers. I like the look of this Jack Williams character too on their bench. Like, watch him the last few weeks. He's he's really good as a youngster. He's got a nose for the ball. I like. He's always around the ball. If there's a break. You see him loom up, you know, in support, or he's got a little bit of something. He's got a lot of enthusiasm to beat in the game. So I think he adds something from their bench as well. And Talakai going back to the bench, I think, will help. He doesn't quite have, I think, the fitness to be there the whole game where he's been playing a lot in the starting line and, and I think Brighton Nikora coming back makes their team a little bit more solid so I reckon the Sharks will get them and Sean Johnson man of the match okay good call so the Panthers versus West Tigers next uh, the Panthers they're a $1.15 favourite I think at the moment the line's 13 and a half points uh, uh, can you see any way the Tigers get up here no chance <laughs> Look, good, good. last week, Luciano Leilua been playing great. But, mate, he leaves a lot of holes in the middle. Can we just? Can I just say something? This is the revenge game, right? Joey Leilua's back, and this is the game where he coat-haggered Dylan Edwards in the first first time round. So I think the Panthers will be fired up to put some points on, on the Tigers. Coruscant is missing. I'll be interested to see how Mitch Kenny plays because, like you said, Coruscant gives them that push from dummy half, and he's always attacking and probing. Harry Grant's back. So it's a combination of... Coruscant going out and Harry Grant coming in. That'll make a big difference to the Tigers, yeah. I just think they'll leave too many holes. Benji Marshall, they'll leave too many holes in defence. Brian Toe coming back on the wing. He was really impressive at the beginning of the year. I like the look of um, Toe. Good little winger. Great on his feet too. And Naden in the centres makes them look even more dangerous in the back line. I think Penrith's back line is superb. So I just think they've got too much strike power for the Tigers, really. All right, the Storm versus the Seagulls up next. Both cams are back, Munster and Smith. Uh, the Seagulls got absolutely toweled up last week. The line for this game's 12 points. And the Storm are $1.20 favourites. I can't see anything but a Melbourne Storm victory here. Even though even though Joel Joel Thompson's a good in for for Manly, hopefully he's got one tongue left. He does. I hope Manly um, will play a little bit better this week. I think it'll be a lot more a lot tighter game. But I think the Storm practically at full strength, getting close to the semi-finals. Pappenhuysen, Seve's on the wing. I think they do miss Vunavalu a lot. They miss Vanuken. Like putting these big fellas at the 13 kind of exposes them a tiny bit in defense. You know, they can get stepped around at times because they're just big, big guys. And they do tire out. But that team, I can't see them losing, not with Smith and Munster back. And, you know, still got Lee, Olam, Adokar, Jerome Hughes. I think it's the storm in a canter. All right, the last game of the round and my favorite is the Canberra Raiders. First, the Canterbury Bulldogs. The Canberra Raiders are $1.10 favourites. The line is 17 and a half. If you're not careful, this game could be 40. Canberra come to play. What do you want me to say? No, it's going to be 34. Yeah, I'm, I'm just really enjoying <laughs> it. So, so you've got the defensive heavyweight in Lachlan Lewis coming back. He's actually a fantastic defender. You know what he is? He's, uh, he's dogged. 
I would describe him as a dogged defender. Big Papi's back. <laughs> yeah, D- Dylan Papi Napa. I don't know if that's an ad- subtraction by addition. I don't know what that move is. <laughs> I don't but... know what is. You look at Dylan Napa's stats; they're actually quite good. But it's but you watch the game as opposed to read the stats. It's it's ineffective stats. It's dead stats. Yeah, someone has to run the ball up, right? He occasionally pulls off a good tackle, but there's a lot of times where he's jogging back in that line, and there's holes everywhere. And if Aiden Tolman wasn't there cleaning it up, we'd be in big trouble. Can I can I say Harawira Naira has been great for, <laughs> for Canberra? Of since course he has. Yeah, since he's gone there. That's a, that, that's a great pickup. I wonder where they got him from yeah yeah i mean it's good that you've got so much talent that you can give these players away of course having said that i as i said i at the time i agreed with dean pay's decision and dallin wateni zelezniak's back for canterbury yeah my answer to that is so what oh no i'm getting to the point it's where... good that you haven't lost hope <laughs> we're coming last come on man it's been three years you know, we're, we're hanging, literally, we're hanging on to the glory days of like 10 years ago now. We're like Parramatta. Hey, 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 we're, we're in the top three at the moment. Uh, Lay off us. Oh, you guys are doing well and good to watch. Hey, at least give me something to watch. If we're exciting to watch and we lose, I can live with that. But when you're boring and you're losing, like, it's like a double whammy, you know? Now you know how um, I but, feel. Oh, <laughs> is, oh, is this on the podcast? Yeah, ha, ha, funny, funny. <laughs> this is a bit of... Angry frustration from me. This is... um. I feel like I need to pick you up by talking about the salary cap. <laughs> <laughs> Just poke the, poke the salary cap bear. I'm kind of... I don't know what to say anymore. Like, I don't know what all these changes are. Remus Smith's gone. Tim Lafay has been benched. I can't believe Tim Lafay lasted more than two games. It's, <laughs> it's good that His people... His attitude are... was you, you're, you're You're in an angry mood tonight. I like this. No, Jake Avarillo, like, it's like... You know, he's showing some talent and on the bench one week... Are you watching the defence? Who cares? He's my team. Dude, we're coming last. Who cares? Let him play. We're coming last. Are you watching the defence at all? All right. And Marcelo Montoya is back. No, I'm not ending this. And you know what? We don't have the points in us, mate. And the Raiders will, again, are pretty much at full strength. And I think they'll, they'll give us a toweling. I think it'll be 20-plus this time. I don't think we're going to be hanging in the game or nearly win. I do actually agree with that. You know, all jokes aside, I think if they get a, if they get a couple of tries early on you, it could be a cricket score. I, 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 don't think, I don't think you've got a lot to play for at the moment. When I say you, I mean the doggies. And I think Canberra, uh, especially Jack White, and they're, they're, looking, they're looking like they're coming into a bit of form, right? Remember how they, all these teams had their mid-season lull? Because they were putting run in them, because they can't put it on them in the end of the season now, because it's it's warmer, the weather's warmer, so they got to get it now, and they need to taper them off. But I still expect us to have a little bit of spark here and there, because they've got nothing left to play for now. So it's a bit like go out, guys, and just enjoy yourself to some degree. And the team, despite all the losing, nearly every week they show up and really have a bit of a dig. So it's never, it's rarely a question of their attitude, you know. So they'll probably enjoy their footy a little bit this week, but if like you said, if the Raiders, I think, score a couple early and got nothing to play for, it's hard to mentally stay up for the rest of the game. So I hope they hang in there and keep it close, but expecting the Raiders to win by 20. Okay, that brings us to a close of this week's G&T show. We've, we had a segment up our sleeve, which we're going to run next week. Should we give the listeners a sneak preview as to what it was, G? Oh, we can give them. It's who are the top five players that you would want to have as your neighbours and invite over for a barbecue? And who are the top five players that you absolutely would not want as your neighbours? Correct, correct. And do everything you can not to invite them over for a barbecue. Correct. 
So have a think about your own list and you can compare it against ours next week. That brings us to a close for this week. Thank you, G. Once again, hard-hitting analysis on the salary cap. And you, you limited yourself to 20 minutes ranting on the Bulldog. So well done. Thank you. And thank, thanks to all our listeners. We will share with you, hopefully next week, an email address and a Twitter handle that you'll be able to send feedback in on. It's a passion project and we're really loving bringing this to you every week. Have a great week, everybody. Take care. You too, TC, next week. See ya.